Joining us now on the line, Boston.com reporter, following the Celtics and everything in Beantown, John Corrales. John, you're joining myself, Dwayne Watson, and Gareth Wheeler. Thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon. What's we do up, appreciate Johnny? It. What's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? Not bad. Not bad. Probably going better uh, than uh, the fans in Boston right now. Do you have a status on Kyrie and if we might see him tomorrow after the hit he took early on in last night's game versus Charlotte? Still up in the air at this point. They're monitoring him for concussion symptoms. And uh, he, he took an inadvertent elbow from Aaron Baines. So right now they're just monitoring. And if he has to enter the concussion protocol then that's going to be a multi-step process. But as of right now, nothing definitive yet. John, obviously Celtics 11-2 and two rolling, looking really good. Um, 11 straight wins? Hey. And even the Yeah, first, who saw that coming? But what, what I'm more curious about, I didn't see coming, them being such a top-rated rate, defensive squad, you know, with Kyrie, obviously, for his offense, but and losing Crowder and whatnot. But how has the team become well, so well defensively? Well, I, the, the thing that, has helped them defensively is the construction of the the team and you got to give a ton of credit to Danny Ainge because he has seen the way this league is progressing before a lot of people have and to to see a Celtics team that that lost Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley get better defensively you're looking at two great individual defenders Avery Bradley's tremendous individual defender but let's look at this in Toronto terms. DeMar DeRozan has had a lot of great games against the Celtics, and Avery Bradley would guard DeRozan very well, but DeRozan could always get to a certain spot on the floor and just shoot over him because Bradley's like 6'2". Now he's going to have to face guys like Jason Tatum, who is playing very well defen- defensively, and Jalen Brown, who has probably become our one of our most important players defensively, these guys are six seven, six eight. You can't rise up and shoot over those guys. So a guy like DeRozan is going to see a much different set, a much different type of player. And that's the type of thing that has helped the Celtics defensively. These guys can switch. Last night against the Hornets, at the end when Kemba Walker, who is deadly, could hit a shot to tie the game, Marcus Morris switched out on him and did a, a fantastic job. So the switchability and the length and athleticism on this Celtics team has, has turned a lot of guys who aren't necessarily as good individually as the guys that they lost, but the sum of the parts is greater. Which, this is all incredible to watch it unfold, really, especially the way the season started with the Gordon Hayward injury. And for me, this team in this season was about Kyrie Irving acclimating to Boston, growing with this team, and then maybe next year being the team to beat the Eastern Conference. But the right now, the way the Celtics are trending and the way the Cavaliers are kind of just kind of staying afloat, have hearts and minds been changed in Boston to believe that, you know what, maybe this year we can be the best team in the Eastern Conference? Well... Look, they've gotten themselves one heck of a head start on everybody else. To be 11-2, and two, even if there is some regression to the mean, they're still going to have a pretty good record. So no one expected 11-2. Even with Hayward, no one expected 11-2. and two. In fact, coming into the season with Hayward, a lot, of the, a lot of guys on the team were saying, look, it's going to be tough to start. The Celtics have a really intense early schedule. They're playing basically every other day for the next two months because they're going – to London 
in January, and they had the, the schedule is just weird for them. But no one expected this, especially after Hayward. Uh, I think that when you look at the the entire East, Cleveland has a lot to figure out. You know, they're in a tough spot, and I think that ultimately they will because LeBron is still LeBron, and they will find a way to pull out of this tailspin. But they're they're kind of different than than in years past. They're kind of older and slower and terrible defensively. Toronto is good. You got a good record, but still weird. And and I'm not I'm not even entirely sure what the Raptors are yet. And the Wizards are struggling a little bit. The Wizards should be better than they are. So all of this kind of it muddies the East a little bit. But I think the Celtics are in a great position now. If if Kyrie can come back, and if Al Horford can come back soon, and they can, those guys have developed an amazing chemistry. They can, they can continue at least. I mean, obviously they're going to lose at some point, but they can continue a pretty decent run. And I thought after the Hayward injury, they might drop to like the third or fourth seed in the East. But the way everything is shaking out, with Toronto figuring themselves out, with Washington figuring themselves out, and I think Detroit's going to fall a little bit. I don't think Orlando's going to be this good for that long. I think the Celtics do have an opportunity here, surprisingly, to hold on to that top seed. Talking with Boston.com reporter John Corrales. John, we've talked about it. Myself, both the guys have mentioned it. You've mentioned it. 11-game win streak. Last night, a come-from-behind win against Charlotte after being down 18. You lose Kyrie. Is is this a testament to Brad Stevens and his coaching philosophy mm. that he's been able to do with do this with you you lose Kyrie you lose Hayward and yet you still manage to find a way to come back from eighteen down and you're on an eleven game win streak. Yeah, I got to tell you, last night made no sense. That win made no <laughs> sense. That was that was. I I I I have to go back and watch it again so I can see exactly how look when when you're down eighteen without any of your stars. There, uh, there. When you look at the the salaries of the guys who were out, the Celtics were without seven, almost seventy seven million dollars worth of star players, not on the floor due to injury, and they still came back. Like Charlotte was complicit in this; like they missed a lot of shots. The Celtics defense stepped up, and yeah, Brad Stevens gets these guys to do things that maybe other teams, other coaches don't. Yeah, like what Brad Stevens focuses on is do what you do best. He really encourages guys to be who they are, and he puts the onus on himself to do with that talent what other coaches maybe wouldn't do. You know, he he puts it on the coaching staff to figure out how do we fit these players into our system? How do we fit these players together? Where other coaches say – okay, you're good, but we need you to do this. Like, classic example, Cleveland and Kevin Love. Like, Kevin Love is a certain kind of player, and Cleveland says, yeah, you're good, but we need you to do this. Where Brad Stevens says, you're good at XYZ, you do XYZ, and I'll figure out how to build around that. And I think that's the big difference between the really, really good coaches, and and Stevens is definitely like the Popoviches of the world, Rick Carlisle's of the world, they let the players be who they are and figure it out. Where I think mediocre and lesser coaches say, well, this is how we're going to do it, and we need the players to fit me. 
So that, if you're looking at why Brad Stevens is one of the greats, that's probably the best way I could put it. Yeah, he's done a great job in terms of all the new pieces on the team this year and the chemistry. But, you know, one guy that people weren't really thinking about, Jason Tatum is a draft pickup coming behind Simmons and Ball. Um, sorry, Fultz and Ball. He's had a great start to the season. What have you He's going to be rookie of the year. Like, he looks, complete, he looks better than the other two. The year, but he's definitely looking better than Lonzo Ball. Yeah, for sure. And Fultz. John? Yeah, I think, well, rookie of the year is an interesting case and a complete side discussion because – it, it may end up being Simmons. So the I think the, the best way to classify Tatum is best player in this draft class. So because Simmons is having an amazing year. But look, Tatum's going to be right in that mix. And I think Tatum can actually be a potential rookie of the year. I think he's got, I think he's got the, the skills. I think he's got the tools. He's playing better defense than anybody thought. And the, the great thing about Tatum's offensive game it's, it's not based on athleticism. And for long-term success, it's that type of offensive game. Like, he, he's crafty. He knows how to get to spots. He knows how to use his body. He use, knows how to use a defense's momentum against him. So he's not just jumping over people. He's just not outclassing people athletically. He's actually got offensive skills. So... That puts him years ahead of most rookies. So I think that's the most exciting thing about Tatum is that he knows how to score and he knows how to use his body. And defensively, he's, he's put himself in great position. He's really picked up the principles. He's really figured out when to switch, how to switch. And, and it's, it's really the best way I can put it is he, he's playing like a third or fourth year player. So when you're that far advanced, when you actually are a third or fourth year player, then you actually play like a sixth, seventh, eighth year. You that's like superstar level stuff. So Tatum is a special guy. Like he's he's really special. John, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking some time ahead of uh, ahead of tomorrow's game, and hopefully uh, we'll get an update on Kyrie later on today. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime.